Hi there, I'm Tony from Marathon Mates. On this episode, we're going to share some of the insights and experiences on how we keep the cost of running down. Yes, with the increases in shoe technology, the costs just seem to be increasing all the time. But we're going to share tonight how we keep our costs down. Are you ready to run? Let's go. Welcome to the thrilling world of the flying runner, brought to you by the Marathon Mates. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Flying Runner podcast. Today, we're sharing strategies on how we keep the cost down, how, and hopefully you can cut the cost that comes with this thing that we call running. As usual, I'm joined by Tim and Tara from Team um, Ellis. How are you guys? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, we're good. We, um, we're still on our bit of a rest recovery um, period until the new year so we're just taking it light and easy at the moment we did parkrun on saturday as always um chermside parkrun it was a very big we could have called it sweat run rather than parkrun swim in your own sweat yeah we'd had a big one the friday night prior and obviously with that as soon as the sun comes out in brisbane the heat and Mm. the humidity makes it very very warm um, but there was a lot of puddles on the ground and I wasn't sure if it was from the rain the night before or if everyone running through before me had actually just sweated it all out. So, yes, it was yeah. very wet and hot yeah. and humid. So for those who don't know, in, in Queensland where we mm-hmm. are in Brisbane, parkrun starts at 7 o'clock in the morning and even at 7 o'clock in the morning in the middle of summer, it can be close to 30 degrees and 90% humidity or more and that's sort of what we had on Saturday. So... Nice, fun conditions to be running in, but, uh, you know, it just is what it is. But, yeah, Tara's right. We've been just taking it easy. Um, that was the only run in the past week. Um, mm. Interesting, letting the body just relax and sleep in a little bit and missing the alarm clock and not getting up and going for a run or wor- worrying about stuff. But we know we need to do it and we know we'll be better off next year, uh, particularly in the early stages of the year, having this rest now. Yeah, absolutely. It's... um. Went for a massage with Wayne and you would have remembered Wayne from previous episodes that we've done on massage and how to keep the body moving. Um, went for a massage with him this afternoon and I was falling asleep on the table. It was <laughs> I obviously haven't run that much if I'm falling asleep during that massage because normally it hurts like anything. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Tony? I saw you got some distance in this week. Yeah, it's um, it's starting to feel real. So I, I went out and set off on a 10K run there on Saturday, just did a mini compass run, as I call them. And um, towards the second leg, I realised I was going to come in at about 11.2. And so the first cutoff in Tokyo is the 11K. Oh, sorry, the second cutoff in Tokyo was the second um was the 11k cutoff so I just thought well let's just see if I can make sure that I can get under the cutoff times that I need for both those 
uh, which I did and relatively easy. But yeah, I'm like you, it was stinking hot out there on Saturday. Um, so this week I'm going to try for the next cutoff, which is the 16K. And now normally in a marathon, we'd look at that first 16K as being two hours. The cutoff worst case scenario at, and when I talk worst case scenario, all the cutoffs in Tokyo are from gun time. So, which is 9.15. And if you cross the starting line or at 9.40, for example, which is what I'm thinking it's going to be, it's about a two-hour 15 cutoff for that 16K mark. So I'm, I'm going to see how I go this Saturday with that. Uh, we did a treadmill run, our first one in our gym. We finally made oh, use of our gym. Hang on. Treadmill running. This is new. Yeah, and and to be honest, I enjoyed it, but you know, just Sharon doesn't want to run next to me now because I get distracted by everything and I'm moving speeds and everything all the time. So, but anyway, it's it was all good. So, yeah, felt feeling good. A little bit still stiff and sore in the body, but um, I'm just going to presume that that's all going to start to get better. So. It will get better as you build up your training and your distance and and strengthen the legs and those muscles around that ankle. So this is um, our last show before Christmas for all our loyal listeners and viewers. So, um, I'm, so we'll wish you all a very merry Christmas now, just in case we forget towards the end of the episode, because <laughs> we're going to be talking some really exciting stuff. I, I get excited. I'm a bit of a shoe uh, shoe geek, but before we do, let's talk about the news. So, Tim, I'm going to throw to you what's been happening around the world this week. Uh, all right, Tony. So, yeah, it's been a uh, another hectic week around the world, but I guess it kicks off with some good news for Australia um, during the week. I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about the upcoming nominations for the World Athletics um, Awards ceremony that they are doing. Uh, so good news for Australia. Australian Athletics was named as the winner of the Member Federation Award. So it means it was the best performing member federation out of all the, the athletics federations around the world. So each country is essentially its own federation. Mm. Um, and so for Australia, uh, it was able to distinguish itself in its accomplishments throughout the year. And as a result, positively contributed to the growth and profile of the sport. So that, that's pretty good news here for Australian Athletics. Um, you may recall we talked about at that time when we, we announced them as a nominee that um, they hosted the World Cross Country Championships in Bathurst at the beginning of this year. Uh, they claimed their first ever cross country medal, which was in the re mixed relay event. Um, we also um, got a, what's this, Oceana's first World Athletics Continental Tour gold meeting a few days later. Um, and we became uh, one of the best ever performing nations, I guess, or our best ever performing team at the World Championships this mm. year in Budapest, where we won uh, a total of six medals. So for Australia, that's that's a big event, uh, a big deal. Uh, one gold, two silver, and three bronze, which is phenomenal and and looks really good for Australia going into Paris in just about seven or eight months' time. It's not that far away. Yeah. So really good news. Yeah, certainly exciting times ahead for Australia. And um, there was 
more awards given out at the World Athletics Awards and the Abbott's World Majors actually picked up the President Award, which is one of the awards. But I know that there's one, Tim, that you are even so excited about because um, my tip didn't win. Yes. Um, I don't think your tip was even nominated, but uh, <laughs> we about that one. Uh, so they announced six athletes as the World Athletes of the Year. Um, and I think it was three male and three female. And I think they worked it out. One was track, one was road, and one was field athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess in the female side, uh, what Tony's alluding to, my favourite female runner, uh, to just Asafa, who is the current world record holder, not by a little bit, but by a long way, two minutes or so. She was named uh, World Athlete of the Year on the road. Mondo Duplantsi was uh, nominated as uh, was won the award, as did Kelvin Kipton for the men's, for the roads section. Faith Kip Young, Noah Lyles, Ulamar Rojas as well was nominated and won for that award. So speaking of Kelvin Kipton, he ran his first marathon. This is phenomenal when you look back on his year that's been. So 4th of December 2022, last year, he mm. ran his first ever marathon. Uh, and it was two days after he turned 23. Since then, he's finished, managed to fit in two more marathons in the past 12 months. Um, and at the end of those three marathons, he's now the current world record holder, not by a little bit, by 30-odd seconds. So yeah. um, it's it's phenomenal, again, what he's been able to achieve in a very short period of time. It's It's incredible, absolutely. Now... Tara, you would have received an email this week along with anyone else on the Abbott's World Majors group and, uh, well, I think three, four and five-star people. Abbott's launched their Gold Club initiative this week. So what were your thoughts? I think it's a money grab, to be entirely honest, Tony. Um, I looked at it and I thought, I don't think that that's the sort of money that I want to be paying to be a gold member of the Abbott's um, thing. Uh, I don't really think you get much value for no. that. I think you get like a pin or something and a T-shirt or a, t-shirt or a singlet. Uh, it's $279. US. 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 Um, in all honesty, the forums that you can look up through many other different ways of looking for things, podcasts, Facebook, you know, webinars, there's so many other options that you can get information from that I don't think paying for it through Abbott's is probably my personal choice. But, look, there is other people that do do it because I know it's sold out very, very quickly. Yeah, $279 for a gold membership to Abbott's to get a pin, a singlet, some Facebook feeds and information and an extra draw entry into the Abbott's World Major Marathons. Um, again, it just... Yeah, it's it, not even a guarantee that you'll no, get a place. No, and at the end of the day, your entry in a couple of hundred thousand people that might be going for it isn't really going to guarantee you anything. So um, I looked at it and it seemed like it was a lot of money for what it was. 279 US dollars is probably close to 500 Australian dollars. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's a good almost half the deposit you need for a trip to... Boston or Chicago or New York, we're travelling fit for the initial deposit. So, well, that's half a gym membership. Yeah, too. it's also almost a, half a gym membership. So, yeah, it's just a lot of money for what it actually is. I think. Um, yeah. But maybe maybe they're just tinkering with it at the moment to see what happens and see where they go. But 
Um, if it was something like you'd get an extra perk at the end when you finish each race, you get the special gold members lounge or something to lie in afterwards and get a massage or there was a special carb dinner or something between before each of the races, mm. then that might be something worth considering. But again, I don't see any value in it at the moment. Yeah, I, I I think the initial reaction certainly online has been one of um, it's in it, people are in it for the money. But, I'm, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be a select group of people that like the concept or the thought of being in the gold club and they'll, they'll fork out for it. And, you know, there are a lot of people desperate to run majors that um, seemingly have no luck in lotteries and, and ballots. So I'm sure that there's some value in it for them um but you know and once again maybe abbots are just playing with the whole idea to see what sort of a response they get and where they move forward because um, as we know we've got a seventh major coming on board in 2025 so they need to sort of get the, get the lay of the land i guess so um, that seventh major is going to be interesting as well the way abbots is talking about it and um it seems like you'll still get your six star for doing the original six and the seventh will be just an add-on mm. with nothing else. So it's like it's part of the majors, but it sort of sits outside the majors as well from what I can gather. Yeah. But yeah. what that looks like. It's going to be very interesting. Now, the last piece of news that we've got is the Honolulu Marathon was run on December 9. Um, I think it's in a bucket list. I, I think we all want to run the Honolulu Marathon. 15,140 finishes. Um, not as quick as some of the marathons we talk about. Paul Lonyangata from Kenya won the men's in 2.15. And Cynthia, also from Jared Kenya. Jaredtich. Jaredtich, also from Kenya. Um, won the ladies in 2.33. So I, I know, Tara, Honolulu's on your bucket list. I'd love to do it one time too. So Yeah, I definitely want to do Honolulu. I think the um, no cutoff time has really appeals to me as well. And there is a lot of people that finish after that eight hours. So I think it would be one of those ones that I'd like to sort of do, you know, have a bit of a swim in the beach, come off and keep going or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Yeah. um. Times are slower, I think, Tony, as well, because they do run up over the top of Indian Head yeah. and then back. And then so they go out. Indian Head. Diamond Head, sorry. Well, I don't know what Diamond Head. Yeah. So they sort of start there in um, Waikiki and then go into Honolulu and then back out and then um, up over Diamond Head and then turn around and come back over Diamond Head. So I would imagine with the heat and also with the um, the hills in there, it would be why those times are a bit slower. But yeah. it is a one-on-one race. It's a Boston qualifier, so a lot of people get attracted to it. And interesting enough, from past years, um, Marathon Investigation tends to find a lot of people there. That <laughs> it's, it's one where there are a lot of opportunities to cut the course and come back and, mm. uh, and jump onto the other side of the road without people knowing. So mm. He does pick up a lot of people there. So if you're going to go there and going to cheat to get your Boston time, you'll probably get caught out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
That brings us now to what we're here to talk about. Let's talk a little bit about shoes. Now, just a, a, a little bit of a disclaimer to, to kick us off. During the show, no doubt we will mention some of the brands that we use and some of the stores that we use. It's important to note that we have no commercial affiliation with any brand or site, but we would encourage commercial affiliation if any brand was that way inclined. Um, but currently we have no commercial affiliation and we encourage you to do your own shoe uh, research for your own shoes. We have the shoes that we like, um, but that doesn't mean that we recommend them for you or that they are the shoes that you should be wearing. So just to get that out of the way. So first up, let's start with a little bit of the history of the shoe of, of your shoe journey, Team Ellis. So where did it all start and how did you end up now where you're really comfy running with um, the shoes that you're in? Yeah, so look, I started my running journey, um, believe it or not, in Salomon Speedcross, um, which were used for trail running and for my obstacle running. And I didn't do a lot of road running back in the day. They're very narrow shoes. They're very uncomfortable when you try to run on the road. <laughs> So I sort of played around a little bit, went to Athletes Foot, which is a shoe shop here in Australia. They do free fitting. Um, played around a bit, wasn't really overly happy with any of the shoes that I had been fitted with. I'd been through um, Mizuno, um, Sacconi's. I'd been through quite a few um, and just kept getting injured every time I was wearing them. Uh, found a podiatrist online through one of my running groups and the podiatrist that we use is actually a sports podiatrist he and i ended up with plantar fasciitis from really badly really badly from yeah. all my running changeovers of shoes and um had damaged my feet quite badly and went to see nick who's our podiatrist and he said to me this is not good um we'll give this a try um if you can't work it out um you might have to give up running and he said i'd like you to go into brooks glycerin or brooks ghost fitted me with some orthotics like custom-made orthotics as well and after suffering from plantar fasciitis for three years um he got me fixed within three weeks wow. so um, i really highly recommend making sure you do get fitted correctly mm. by the correct person um from personal experience myself um, yeah, so I, I'm always in the Brooks Ghost now, but I do alter between the glycerin and the ghost depending on what I can pick up cheapest, obviously. That was in that's, um, yeah, that, that's a, a story you hear a lot, don't you? That people start off in the wrong shoes, and um, I did as well. The first pair of shoes I started running in were some adidas cloud foam shoes and the only reason i started with them is i was in yambar on holidays at the time there's a sports store in the main shopping center at yambar and every christmas they had this table full of discount shoes so they were the only ones in my size so that was a that's a great choice for a running shoe but they, you know they went okay until they stopped going okay I then moved into the Asics Kayano gels and uh, I started with the Kayano 23s. Um, got the 24s and I got the 23s when the 24s were the major model 
and then I got the 24s when the 25s came out. Um, ASICs make a great shoe, and I think my 23s did just under, I, I think it was 970 kilometres I ran New York in there, so I would never say a bad thing about the ASICs. But then I went to Brooks um, because... Um, I tried them on and they're a little bit softer and, and now I'm running in Sikonis and um, there's been a reason for my change every time. So I went from Kayano to Brooks because I wanted a lighter shoe and a softer shoe and then I went again for the lighter shoe with the Sikoni. But the challenge I had was I had to move from an 11 mil drop to an 8 mil drop with the Sikoni. So I had to I had to transition that. And um, But again... Um, so that's a little bit of my story. And now I will, um, who knows where I go, but I'm quite comfortable running in my Sikoni guides for my shorter runs and the Sikoni tempers for the longer runs. So, Do they have mm. the same drop so, in them, Tony? Do they, both sorry? Have the same, do they both have the same drop in them? Uh, yeah, both? they're both 8 yep. mil. Yeah. Yep. And, and the... Kinvara Pros that I'm now wearing as my recovery shoes are once again very similar, but they're just a, a higher stack. So, um, so during this show, no doubt we're going to talk some basic shoe terms as well. So just um, just to give everyone a little bit of heads up, um, I'm going to throw to you, Tim. What's a yep. neutral shoe? A neutral shoe is essentially a level play, a level shoe that doesn't have stacking one way or the other so quite often if you uh, pronate your feet or you what's the opposite of pronate Super, whatever it is so pronate is turning your feet inside towards your to, towards your big toe uh whatever the other one is is turning it out the other way or maybe i've got it wrong with whichever mm. way it is so a neutral shoe will be just flat level shoe that doesn't doesn't add any sort of additional um Good for orthotics and yeah. stuff like that as well. Yeah. So yeah. if you do wear orthotics, a neutral shoe is good for putting your orthotics in because then the orthotic is sitting flat in the side of the shoe without, the work for without anything else in it. Yeah. So neutral shoes are probably 80% of the market and probably 80% of what people actually fundamentally buy. So we then have the stability shoes and they are also known sometimes as the support shoe. Um and it's interesting because normally with a stability shoe, you get a little bit of extra support there on the inside of your arch, whether it's within the foam and companies have different ways of doing it. But now what we see is now with the max stack that we're getting with shoes and the wider um, footprint, I guess, is the way that I'd call it. A lot of companies now talk about inherent stability because there is a wider platform and because of the softer foam that uh, a lot of neutral shoes are now being recommended to some extent for people with mild pronation issues because the inherent stability. So it's very interesting to see what technology is doing. Um, Stack, Tara, do you want to talk about the stack height it's the foam height isn't it i think that isn't it that the drop no that's in, the, it is the foam the, the height, height okay on it, i'll leave it to you then tim <laughs> you can be the expert on the stack height 
Uh, it's the isn't it the foam thickness underneath your foot essentially? That's true and correct. Yeah. So and stack height is really interesting because a shoe like the Brooks Ghost has a thirty-one mil stack height, and now we talk about max stack, and that can be anywhere up to uh, forty mil. Um, and 40 mil is the maximum legal stack height that an elite runner can run in in a race. Um, but yeah, most of the time now we're seeing stack heights of the 36 to the 38 mil. But the best selling shoe on the market is the Brooks Ghost, and that's a 31 mil stack height. So, Tara, do you want to talk about drop? You know this one. <laughs> this one yes. Okay. So, the drop is inside of the shoe, and it's where your heel is. Fitting, I believe. Yeah. Now, um, I do know that one of the reasons why with my shoes that I was getting injured in, and they do cause calf issues and hamstring issues if you're getting the wrong um, drop in your shoe. With mm. mine, I do need a particular drop in mine, and that's why I do run with what I run with. Um, anything that is too low, I need to put foam pads underneath my orthotics to actually prop myself up. Otherwise, I'm getting tearing and mm. pain in yeah. my calves. Um, so that's another one of those things that you've really got to be careful with. If you are changing your shoes constantly, um, to be aware that if you're going to like a zero drop shoe, you're running in a natural position that your body's naturally made to do. But that might not actually be the best position yeah. for your body to run so, in. So you may actually be put up into your toes a little bit. So zero um, drop means there's zero difference between your heel, the height of your heel and the height of your toes or the ball of your foot on the yeah. ground, right? So a 12 mil stack means there's a 12 mil difference between your toes drop. and your heel. Yeah. And the heel raised 12 mils up above your, your toes and your yeah. ball of your foot. Yeah. And when I talked about having to transition from my 11 to an 8, it was um, purely because I was in a higher drop shoe uh, because of the calf issues that I had early in my running. And as I built my calf strength, um, I was able to then transition down to a... Um, to a lower drop. So if I'd gone straight to that without doing the strength work involved in in my calves, I would have had some serious problems with calf tears and whatnot. So um, I'll talk a little bit about the outsole. The outsole is the bottom of the shoe fundamentally, if you think about the, the tread or the grip. Um, the wearing layer. Yeah, so where that's called the outsole, the midsole, I'm presuming is the, the the middle of the shoe, the the foam cushioning in the middle of the shoe. Is that what you probably, read it as? Probably where your carbon plate um, yeah. would be as well. Is that really? if you're adding carbon plates? Yeah, so it's where you would be putting the yeah, it, shoe. It's the the, the bit between the wearing layer and the inside of your shoe, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And then your upper. Is the yeah. stitched on bit on top of the foam. So that's all the fabric, <laughs> the fabric that sits on top that wraps around the top of your foot. Yeah. It does yeah. make a huge difference to your running as well, believe it or not. So if you get a fabric um, mm. upper that doesn't have those breathability, you know how some of them have got those little mesh things that look like you could breathe through them. Um, if you get just the plain fabric ones, they're actually tighter on your feet. So you need to lace differently or go for a wider 
um, mm. shoe, they also don't breathe as much. So in the heat, your feet get hotter. And you can also get ones with Gore-Tex, which are waterproof. So this I know from personal experience. Um, <laughs> the Gore-Tex ones are really, really good when you're trail running through creeks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, And often when you see updates on shoes, they'll be mentioning those terms and you'll be able to understand fundamentally what has changed within the shoe. Which, before, um, before we go, sorry, before we go any further, I just want to also say, Tony, and I've said it before on other episodes, comparison is the thief of joy. So just because somebody else has a particular brand and model of a shoe that says they run well in it doesn't mean it will work for your feet. So you really need to understand your feet, how they work. Are you a neutral? Mm. Do you stand run neutrally or do you have need a bit of pronation? Do you turn your feet in? Do you need to protect your your body and your um, ankles a little bit more? Do you need some additional drop? How much foam do you need under your feet? It does take a little bit of getting used to. And just because somebody says to run in something doesn't mean it's the right shoe for you. And unfortunately, none of the marketing out there from any of the shoe companies is really telling you to buy a shoe that suits your foot. It's it's all about this shoe is going to set your PBs. It's going to be awesome. It's going to make you run faster. It's lighter. It's better. Um, that's for 1% of the population. <laughs> the mm. rest of the people can't fit their feet into that shoe and run effectively with it. So yeah. uh, it is mind, just be mindful when you are when we are talking about shoes, comparison is the thief of joy. And yeah. I've also noticed um, I've brought shoes online before and I've brought, like, say, Brooks Ghost 14s and I've just gone and brought another set of 14s online and they can be made in different countries. And being made, even though they're the same shoe, same model and everything like that just be aware that if you are buying online if they're made in different countries they do change the shoes and they do feel different as well so sometimes the females can be made in say like india or bangladesh or somewhere and the other males can be made in china so i will mix up between male and female shoes depending on how i feel mm. um, mainly because of costs because I know what I can get away with. Um, with um, be aware that um, if they are made in different countries, even though they're the same brand and same model, they will feel different. They may feel different, yeah. Mm. So let's um, talk about how do we keep updated on shoes because I think it's important to understand that um, most runners will have a trial and error process of finding the right shoe for them and... Um, but there are also going to be some runners that will unfortunately take, um, won't take um, Tim's advice and will run in a shoe because a running influence on YouTube said it was going to be the best shoe for them as a daily trainer. Um, but running influences are one way of keeping up with what's happening in the shoe world, but you just also need to be very mindful that even though a lot of them will say that they're not paid by suppliers and, and some of them are, but the reality is they're getting a free pair of shoes to trial and test. And um, a lot of it's about brand relationships. So um, there are stories that some more honest reviewers suddenly get cut off from a certain manufacturer because they've had two or three negative reviews in a row. So just bear that in mind when you're listening to the influencers. They're going to give you the pros and the cons and potentially they're going to talk up the pros in some cases. So um, 
Another way to keep up with what's happening is in the UK, they've got the National Running Show, and in America, they have just completed the running event, which is called the TRE. And what they do in those shows is give you an, a, an idea for influencers and retail stores of what's coming up in the new year. Um, so it's been interesting watching some of the influencers and um, some of that. They, they had a live stream. Kafusi did a live stream, I think, with Tommy Runs during the TRE. And, like, it's just fascinating where this um, market has actually gone. But um, the Brooks Ghost 16 is coming out in June, I've been told, based on yeah. what I've been listening Yes. So with that, um, again, the Ghost 16s are different to the 15s and, again, different to the 14s. But, however, from what I can gather, I think the 16s are probably closer to the 14s than what the 15s were. So <laughs> it seems every odd number seems to be a bit, <laughs> bit weird. Um, in saying that, the 13s were always my favourites. So, yeah. yeah. The eights were my favourite, but they were eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they do change every year and it's, again, marketing. So just as you find a pair of shoes that you really love, chances are they'll change it every year and then yeah. the changes might only be slight looking, but they may be enough to affect the foam densities or the the sizing yeah. or the heel drops or whatever. Yeah. And, and someone like myself, I... A few millimeters of change here and there is actually really noticeable, and and it's something that Nick, our podiatrist, scratches his head over that I can actually feel a difference of one or two millimeters difference mm. in drops and in um, and in my orthotics when they start to wear out. So, yeah, these manufacturers do get a bit funny, and and it is hard to keep track of all the changes. Um, that's why having somebody you can trust that gives you the right advice that understands shoes, whether it's a, a proper running store or a shoe salesman mm -hmm. or a we're fortunate. Nick keeps on top of all the various brands and keeps an eye on what's going on in the market. He usually gets samples from Brooks before they hit the market so he can have a really good look at the shoes. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't recommend Brooks Ghost to everyone. It just happens to be Tara and I are both Brooks mm -hmm. Ghost outside. He recommends New Balance for. He gets he wears the he wears the eight eighties. Yeah, so yeah. different shoes for different people's feet, but it is handy for us. We just send Nick a text message. Nick, I'm about to buy some new shoes. Should I go the Ghost Sixteens or should I go something else? Yeah. So I, there is a Ghost Max that they've just released. I talked to him about that the other day, and he said I don't need it. It's he said it's really for people who need more stability, who move side to side mm. on their foot, their foot hits the ground a lot more gives them a lot more stability it wouldn't work for me a ghost max but for yeah. others it works really well so it's about knowing that and forming a relationship with somebody that you know that can trust or a trusted website or a influencer or somebody that you can mm, trust however you do it yeah so so the ghost 16s they're saying it's going to be a softer foam and a lighter weight coming out in june um, interestingly, a New Balance are putting out some new designs this year that in my eyes look ugly, but some people are really raving. It's like a geometric design on the on the um on the um on the on the padding or the, the foam. Uh, there's a lot of hype around the new glycerin 21 and um and corresponding um as they move through next year. 
A lot of hype around the Nike Vaporfly 3, but I don't think there's ever been a Vaporfly 3 release, a Vaporfly release without a lot of hype. Um, there's been a, some mixed reports from the Sakoni, which is my brand that I love, um, the Endorphin Pro 4 uh, mixed. Um, personally, the Tempest is getting an upgrade, but it's only, from what I can understand, an upper upgrade. Um, and that will obviously have some bearing on the current model being discounted. So um, we'll talk about that. I know that Santa's bringing me a pair for Tokyo. So, <laughs> and um, the guide, the, the guide, the Sakoni guide, which is my other shoe that I wear, the guide 17 is what I would call a radical upgrade. They've really revamped that one, a higher stack. There's a lot going on, so I'm going to stick with the 15s for a while. And um, what it means also is that the uh, the guide 16s are even more discounted than the 15. So I've got um, maybe Santa bringing me another pair of those as well. So so that's um, so. And one of the things you'll see as you get that pair of shoes is if you know what's coming. Um, you get a bit of an idea of, you know, potentially what models are going to be discounted when they start to clear out. So, for example, with the Brooks Ghost coming out in June, potentially we're going to see some bargains and some cleanouts um, coming through the first half of the new year. And I know if you go on the Brooks site now and click on their specials, the Ghost 14s are currently there at great prices. Is it then um, off today? Yeah, and then you'll potentially see that more and more with the with the fifteens. But but I think generally we we accept the fact that we are going to see annual upgrades on most shoes as they come through. And once you get into the cycle, you can really start to understand when some of the bargains are going to happen. So, so, so the other thing to note is running shoes are not just a piece of foam with an upper on top and you strap them on and go for your run they're actually an engineered tool and it's important to understand we, we're talking about all these things about stack heights and outsoles mm. midsoles and all that they can get really complex and technical i can't remember the website for the life of me but i do have it and i'll look it up and we'll post it to the show notes and, and put it on our facebook page and insta page but there's a great website out there that actually cuts shoes in half and then compares them to other brands. So if you've got a Ghost 14 that you like and you really like the Ghost 14s but can't find them anymore, it recommends other shoes that are very similarly engineered that may be suitable for your feet as well. So it's mm -hmm. a great comparison website, but the amount of data and stats that this, this website gets out of every shoe, it's not just a few little stats and measurements here. It is probably four or five A4 pages full of data Wow. Um, shoe. So I'll get that website and we'll be able to post it up um, in the mm -hmm. show notes I think, because it's a good one to go to to compare running shoes against because of that high level of engineering that gets into them. Yeah. Yeah. So which model for you, and this is where we talk about it's your choice, it's, your, it's where you go, you've got to choose the best one that works for you. Um, as an example, but you've also got to have a strategy that minimizes your costs. So my son, for example, loves the new Kayano 30s, and it's a great shoe. It's got a it's a max stack shoe. It's a it's a one of those um, what they call super trainers. Or um, but the problem is it's two hundred and seventy nine dollars. So you know it, it you get a lot of great shoes and you get. Uh, um, 
but when you're looking at a shoe that's $279, now the Keanu 30 doesn't have an, the old rubber on the on the outsole. It's the foam. So I'm thinking he's going to be lucky to get about 400 Ks out of that shoe. And when you think about your training strategy and you might be doing 40 Ks a week, all of a sudden you're looking at a potentially a new pair of shoes every 10 weeks. So I don't know if there's too many people who are just average daily runners that want to be forking out 279 bucks or up to $300 every 10 weeks. So it's okay to love a pair of shoes like the 30s, but running in them every day may not be the most cost-effective strategy. Um, and in some ways, that's, that's why I've got my tempers for my long runs and my guides for my small, smaller runs. And even at full retail, the tempers is 279 the guides are 219 so because i'm using a the it, it's a great shoe the guide it's just it's um it's more of a daily trainer so um so it makes sense to have you know a couple of shoes in your rotations potentially that you, you know i never pay for retail anyway so just quietly <laughs> But um, but it does make sense, and even with Tim and Tara, with their their use of the ghost, I'm sure that they're always on the eye for a bargain, and um, and that's the way that they can keep their costs down. So, how many ghosts would you currently have in rotation, Tim, for yourself? Well, I'm on my sixth pair of Ghost Fourteens, but really, I have about two pairs, um, and generally, it's only one. I have one that I run in for my long runs. Uh, and then I might swap that with another pair uh, during the week for some of the shorter runs, but it just depends. Um, and as they start to wear out, I notice when they wear out, I, I can tell when a pair of shoes are going, all of a sudden my calves hurt. So that's that one to two millimeters of difference I start to notice. Um, I notice when the, the soles are not uh, are flexing more than they should do. Um, I get a lot of pain in certain spots. Uh, we and, also record our shoe kilometres onto our Garmin. So on Garmin, um, the Garmin app, you can record your shoes. You can enter your shoes and record how many kilometres you do, um, which really, really helps because Tim, as he was saying, he really notices we get about, well, you get about 680. 640. To, to, 640 out of, yeah. um, out of a pair of shoes, whereas I can get probably 750 mm. out of mine. Um, I rotate mine around where I have a long run pair of shoes or an outside long run pair of shoes. Yeah. And then I have an inside or a short run pair of shoes as well. So also the heat makes a difference. Um, so I'll go up to a different width depending on the heat. So look at the moment, it's hot and humid. Obviously your feet are going to get hot and they sure. swell up. So I always go for a wider Brooks ghost when I'm running in the heat. Um, a men's one. A men's one. Mm. And that's where it comes from, the men's and the women's. So I find that the men's are just that nice width for running in the heat and for the long runs because, you, yeah, they, your feet swell up. So, yeah. yeah. Females are lucky that way. They can switch between the female shoes and the men's shoes. It's not so easy the other way around unless you've got really small feet mm. for men. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, for example, I'm a 10D in women's shoes. And I'll just be a nine B in men's shoes. So, yeah. and interesting, some of the brands in the last year have brought out unisex sizing. So, um, not that I know a great deal about that, but I just know that some of the brands have. So, um, so it's yeah, important. It different colors too. For, so Tara notices there's different colors in the female range than there is in the male range as well. So yeah, 
She'll switch between them to get the best colour that she's looking for at that time. I actually Smart. find a good bargain with the men's shoes because not many men are in size nine um, and the normal size. So I yeah. actually can get a really good bargain. And I don't care what my shoes look like. I'm not really overly fussy. And we saw my shoes that I wore to Berlin um, mm. and I picked those up for probably 100 bucks with the nice little pictures on them. I don't care. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's, um, some general advice. Um, it was mentioned before, companies like Athletes Foot will actually do a bit of an analysis and a lot of the specialty running stores will as well. We should respect that um, if you go into a store and uh, they provide some additional services, the last thing you should be doing is then pulling out your phone and trying to find the shoe cheaper because if, if we don't respect those shoe, shoe um, stores and services, they won't exist. And the other thing just to be mindful of online, especially this time of year, there is um, a plethora, unfortunately, of scam sites that will come out. And um, so fundamentally, if a site that you're shopping seems too good to be true, it usually means they are and that they should have an About Us page. They should be able to be contactable. They should have a physical address. And a refund policy. Yeah. Yep. So yep. You're right about the two stores. We, we will make a habit if it's a, a new model and there's significant change in it, we'll go and get fitted with the right size shoe, we'll pay a little bit more to buy that first shoe in the shoe shop because the person's done the work. We respect mm. the shoes in the, the stores. But yeah. once we've got the size and the fit right, we're good and we just order online through the uh, the, the bargain sites as we need to. However, so good bargains in the other in the stores. stores. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They clear out their old models just as much. So let's talk about some of our bargains and um, and how we utilize them because they do exist. And the first one that I've sort of sort of mentioned a little bit earlier, whenever there's a model changeover or there's an upcoming changeover, you will see um, some bargains coming up. So once again, Brooks 14 to Brooks 15, you'll see that there is a, um, a fair bit of value to be found out there in Brooks 14. So always keep an eye out what's happening, what models are coming through, because you will tend to see them starting to to come along. So yeah. Next, yeah, one is, next one is colourways, and then we're going to talk about um, Tara's beer shoes. So colourways... <laughs> um, colourways are an interesting one because they're a little bit more ad hoc because sometimes you'll see certain retailers will clear out a colourway because for two reasons. One is, A, it's not selling and they want to get some sales happening and they want to get rid of it. Um, or that the brand has said that it's not selling, so they want it to move it out of the market. But also I've seen where there's been good colourways that are discounted to reduce the options so people start buying the less favoured colourways. So I think it's really important. Some people, my wife, for example, always buys black shoes. Now, that's okay. That's her choice. But it limits her options on getting really great bargains because if you're not phased on the colorway, you are going to have more choices out there, won't you? So, yeah. I actually um, like the funkier shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I must so, admit, I, I run in a wide shoe and I can't get every color that's on the market for that brand, for that model. So... 
I'm limited to about four or five colors anyway, and they're generally yeah. not the nicest colors most of the time. But anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, it is. And then um, you'll also have what we call our limited additional season models. And Tara's shoes that she was alluding to were her beer shoes. So Brooks Ghost with the uh, little pints all over the Brooks Ghost, and she got them for a bargain. And limited edition shoes you'll often see this so uh, for example the Canvara pro came out with an nyc model a chicago model and a berlin model now at the moment they're all still full price at 299 um, but i would say uh, hazarding a really strong guess is that there will be a clear out strategy and i expect that the Canvara pro will discount those models sometime between now and Boston so that they can start afresh with the Boston range. So um, once again, understanding that um, get, gets you ready and prepared for um, potentially some of the stuff. So, uh, And if you're like me and you actually like those ugly shoes, it's <laughs> yeah. quite good. Yeah. 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 I've had yeah. the green Amrock ones at one stage there to celebrate St. Patrick's Day for Brooks and they're all like a fluorescent green colour with shamrock leaves. <laughs> it was, it so was pride, quite... You, great and a, a good conversation start yeah, You can even get Christmas-themed ones. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So some of the discount bar marketplaces, Catch, Kogan and eBay, may often be the place for bargains. Um, sometimes on eBay you can get current models, which is really interesting so that's where a particular retailer has decided if they're not selling size 11s they'll put the size 11 on ebay and you might get a bargain and an example of that is i've got an endorphin pro um never worn at the moment but that's a 340 dollars shoe that i got from ebay for about 203 dollars. so sometimes you just got to be lucky now places like dfo are a great source of last year's models. That's in Australia. DFO for those overseas are your um, your secondhand, yeah, direct factory outlets. So they're just um, the second stores essentially. Yeah. So um, and also a, a lot of the shops, like you'll see a lot of the brand shops. You've got Asics, for example, our local one down here at um, airport. You've got Asics, you've got Puma, you've got Adidas, you've got Nike, you've got Brooks, and now you've got Hoka in there as and New Balance. So you can get some really decent bargains, not but they won't have the current models. No. Or all sizes. Or all sizes. Yeah, yeah, true. Um Major sporting chains may not be the best place, and I and when I talk here in Australia, it's a, a brand or a, brand, a chain like Rebel Sports um, will often have specific models <coughs> brought in to be the the lower end of the market that uh, may not be the best shoes for for you to be running in. But often you'll see that they'll carry the full price range at full price. And then they'll have arrangements with the suppliers where they take the old stock back on changeover of um, on on models. So you won't see them you won't see them often clear out old models because they'll have a supply arrangement. And that's where those old models will go to the DFO and places like that. So that's why there's never a um, consistent 
brand or um, size that you'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Now, the major sites for online sites for the brands themselves are often a great source for continuing research. And I know Brooks have a very clear uh, link in their um, menu for specials. I know Sakoni has one that says sales. But most of the major brands will have an area where they've got their um, fundamentally their direct factory outlet stuff online and they're easy to find. So at any one time, those um, those links are available and you can go see what the brand themselves are, are clearing out. I think, I think it's also good. Like we, we sign up for a lot of brands that we run in. So we actually sign up to their mailing lists and we mm. get their emails and might be a bit of spam sometimes, but... Like I can tell you today, I got an email from Brooks saying they've got 50% sales coming up to Christmas and then into the Boxing Day sales. So 50% off all clearance items, um, which is good value. You don't get that mm. sort of at, at other times. And I know that's the same. Under Armour does the same for the apparel. I know. New Balance does because I do that for our yeah. son's shoes. So, There's also um, websites like Sportitude and stuff like that that will send me emails. Yeah, running warehouse yeah. as well that give you their discounts. So adding yourself to mail lists is a great way of keeping yourself informed of when these sales come up. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, we're looking at Boxing Day sales that are going to be happening very, very soon. Um, we've got other um, things like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Easter's normally a good time as well. Um, and many of those online retailers like Sportitude and Running Warehouse will often do a blanket 30% off or a 20% off. So once again, get on the mailing list, get the communication, um, because it's quite interesting how often you can really pick up a bargain in the shoes. Yep. And we tend to, if we're looking for shoes, we'll have four or five websites on the same at the same time, when we're looking at the same shoe and comparing prices across companies as well. So just because Brooks has them for 50% doesn't mean somebody else doesn't have them cheaper. Um, so, yeah, it is definitely worth looking at. And most of the sites, if you spend over $100, which you generally do for your running shoes, they'll give you free delivery anyway. Mm. And on top of that, most have very good refund policies and will take the shoes back even after you've worn them um, once or twice anyway. So... Um, generally, you know, the, the refunds and the deals online are, are, are pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. However, do check the terms and conditions on what Tim just said because not all of them do that. <laughs> yeah. Most of the reputable ones yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. And you can also just simply do a search on Google um, for a, a particular brand of shoe that you want and then just go under their shopping, uh, you know, how it's got um, search images shopping and sometimes you can get a really good comparison of what's happening on a, a particular pair of shoes at that particular time. So um, generally I don't find Amazon to be a good source. Um, I haven't talked to a runner that found Amazon to be a great source of bargain shoes, um, but eBay can be. But Amazon can be a good source for, you know, some of the clothing that we wear. You get a lot of the lesser-known brands on um, on Amazon, and um, most of them are coming out of the same sort of factory as maybe some of the brand names. But DFO is probably my recommendation for clothing. What about you guys? We, we're... Yeah, 
Clothing is something we're pretty particular about. Once you find something you like, you tend to want to stay with it. So I'm very particular about the shorts I run in. I know, Tara, you're particular about the, the tights you run in yeah. and, and the, the tops and, and bras and things you run in. But um, it's one of those things, I think, for us, again, it's keeping an eye close to those retailers, getting on their mm -hmm. mailing list, knowing when their specials are out, and then buying a couple of pairs at a time. Singlets don't bother me. I can I can wear pretty much any singlet to run in, but shorts, they've got to have pockets in the right spaces for my gels. They've got to have the right um, uh, internal underwear and stuff inside of them so that I don't get chafing in certain parts. Um, I don't like shorts that are too, shorts, uh, too short and I don't like shorts that are too long and I don't like shorts that have got to split up the side. Um, what else? It's the hardest person ever to shop for gym wear with, yeah. trust me. But he is very there, particular, isn't he, Tara? He is very particular. Because I know it goes, works. But he sits there and goes, oh, I don't care what singlet I run in that I buy to run in. He has not brought a singlet to run in because we get all <laughs> stuff. In the race. So he's lying. He has not brought a running shirt for so many years. Yeah. And it's not when was the last shirt you brought, Tim? Uh, I got a singlet just the other day from Run Down Under for next year. I paid the, I paid for that. It was a membership fee. <laughs> what you got? No, singlets again. That's why I say I'm not particular about singlets, but shorts I'm very particular about, as I know you are with your gear, Taylor. Yeah. So. Mm. Chafing things either. I'm not quite as particular as Tim where I'm like, you know, can't have this. I don't like those ones that are too short, obviously. I'm a bit old for that sort of stuff. Um, but they do like, I do like the ones with the side pockets so I can put my phone into it. And I do like a little key pocket in the back or a little pocket in the back as well or in the front. Um, I usually carry, I usually wear my flip belt anyway. So, but yes. just for just general runs, I like something in the pocket where I can just grab my phone out really quickly. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So we we generally stick to the ghosts and we keep to the same and they just change the models with the clothing. The clothing doesn't change too much. It, they do change colours and, and maybe the style a little bit here and there. But for me, the like I run in Under Armour shorts and it's pretty much the same short they've had for the last four or five years or six it's years. Changed quite they, a, they changed a little bit. You first started running yeah. um, with clothing and, you know, technology with wicking and all that sort of stuff's changed. So. But, just be aware, don't run in cotton is the only thing I do have to say. <laughs> All right. So special that you run in? Um, I just I wear LKSD shorts with because to me I've got to have zippers on both sides of my shorts. I do not understand why more running shorts don't have a zipper because I like to have my stuff secure. Outside of that, I think with all the shirts we get from events and races and touring, I I, I was going through my T-shirt drawer the other day and I have I saw a tag from the an ASICS tag. So um, it's interesting. I buy a shirt and think, oh, that's nice, and then it just sits in my drawer because I'm wearing everything else that I much <laughs> prefer to wear anyway. So, But, yeah, great, um, great advice. Get on the mailing lists and uh, understand what it is that you like. So... I hope that you've taken some of the tips that we've shared. Hopefully you can utilise some of the strategies that we've used to, to keep your costs down. We're coming towards the end of the show and you know what that means. We have got time for Tim's tip. So, Tim, what's your tip for this week? 
Yeah, it's my turn. Um, my tip this week is to know your gear's limits and know that not everything lasts forever. And it's it's a key thing, particularly with running shoes. Uh, I mentioned before I get about 640 kilometers out of a pair of running shoes. That's what they're engineered to do. If I tend to run further than that, they're not going to work as effectively and do the job. And that's when injuries can kick in. So record the usage of the, the gear so you can retract the distance, record it on Garmin, record it on Strava, or you can go an old school spreadsheet. Um, distances are generally only recommended. So a lot of the suppliers will recommend on their boxes or in their, in their gear, how far they can run or what they recommend them to be used. But remember, different usage, different trails, different roads, different surfaces will mean different impacts on that engineering in the shoe. Also different weight of the people that are wearing those yeah. shoes will I'm, change that. I'm a lot well. heavier on my gear, so it tends to not last as long. Um, I guess, as we talked about, rotate your shoes if you can regularly. And if you, um, the other way to really tell if a shoe's starting to go is the amount of flex in the, in the shoe itself. So if you hold the shoe out in front of you and bend the toe down underneath the shoe and try and reach the back of the heel, if you if you if you can bend it all the way around and touch the the, the heel of your shoe, it's probably overcooked as uh, and it's probably no longer an effective running shoe. It's probably time to throw it away. Shoes are meant to be stiff. They're not meant to be that flexible that they can bend all the way back down mm. over to the heels. So. Just be mindful of those sorts of things. Understand the engineering that goes into your gear. Understand how long it's going to last for and then just monitor it. That's my tip. Great advice. Great advice. So I'm going to throw back to you, Tim. What's happening next week? Well, the next week's going to be an interesting show because it's our final show of 2023, believe it or not. Mm. So... Uh, we're going to do a review of the year that's been. We're going to talk about some of our highlights and what we've enjoyed this year, what races we really enjoyed, what we'd like to go back and do again if we had unlimited funds and time. Um, but we're also going to issue some Flying Runner Awards out to uh, athletes and performances of the year and even maybe a guest on the show for the year. We haven't worked it all out fully, but we will over the next few days. Um, so definitely stay tuned and, um, you know, listen in to see who's going to win those inaugural awards. <laughs> it, um, promise, yeah, it uh, promises to be an exciting thing. And who knows, you, we might just do a little bit off the cuff as well as we go through that. So the, our annual, the year in review and awards for next week. So Anyway, I hope everyone has enjoyed this episode and took a, a little bit of our tips and strategies. If you do enjoy the podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you've listened to. It's always awesome sitting here on a Monday night with Tim and Tara and talking running. And as we know, runners love talking running. Videos of this episode are always available on Spotify and YouTube. And audio is, of course, Apple, Amazon, Google, and just about every other popular podcast platform out there. Remember, every step forward is a victory. Lace up, hit the road, and we're going to catch you next week. Until then, Merry Christmas and happy running. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy running, everyone. Bye. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs>